and welcome to the University Rant. I'm Sarsparelli Spook. And I am Sylvester. And on today's episode, we look back on 105 undefeated years in this competition. In that time, we have had not one scandal, and we haven't lost a grand final. Isn't that right, Si? What a football club we are. Absolutely fantastic. I can follow this club forever. And I will follow on forever, happily. Whoa, Pip-Pip, cheerio, hooray, huzzah! Spook! Huzzah! Oh, what a dream I was having. Where, where, where are we? Where we always are. Welcome to Calling Your Rant, I'm Sly. And I'm Spook of the Sarsaparilla clan. <laughs> Spook? Yes. What do the Titanic, the Hindenburg, the Disney Star Wars sequel trilogy and Collingwood all have in common? I, I can't use that sort of language on the show. They're, yes, that's right, they're all man-made disasters. <sighs> Lost to Essendon on Friday night, I'll start off with this one. For about the first, I don't know, eight, nine minutes, we absolutely dominated them. So stop us again if you've heard this one. Yes. And then it rained quite heavily. Yeah, and how did that work for us? And then Essendon got on top and pretty much didn't look back and dominated us for the two and a bit quarters. And by the time we decided to try and apply a little bit of intensity and pressure and system... It was Sunday? It was Sunday and a little bit too late to come back. I've got to say, I love this football team because I think their greatest weapon is their versatility. I mean, when playing A stops working, it's like they all sit back and go... What should we do? And someone says, how about plan A? <laughs> yes! So they try that. It's never failed us before. For about seven minutes, and when that stops, when it's proven to not work, they call another meeting and say, I've got another idea. Has anyone thought about plan A? Yeah. And out they go, and then the siren goes, and Buckley calls them in, and Buckley says, you've got to start using plan A. You didn't execute plan, plan A. a. Why the fuck when it's raining and it was pouring? It was pouring the whole day, so it had stopped um, for the start of the game and the that's drainage. Probably, that's probably when Mason walked out. Yeah, and that's when the, the MCG has good drainage and all that. But when it starts pouring again, why is your game plan an overuse of handball? It's like 400 handballs, and the thing is, it's like, I don't understand that if you're actually advancing the ball, but it's like bang, 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 and everyone's sort of looking at, oh, what do we do? And no one's got the guts to like take the ball and just say, fuck it, I'm going to take it, I'm going to go for a run. There was that little bit of play, I think, before Hart's time, where they handballed it about 98 times in the wing, and then I think it was the goal, he finally got him to say, I'm kicking that, and he kicked it on the floor. It's like, what the fuck is with this club? Seriously. I want to know why a small forward managed to run the entire length of the ground 38 times a second and managed to intimidate every single one of our players I, 74 times. I can tell you why. It's because we're not as tough as we think. Uh, what's that sign that bit us in the grand final? Recently. Recently, <laughs> uh, West Coast, they did it too. They made us hear footsteps. Oh, this really just rolled over your back and say, here's my soft underbelly. Please, sir, may I have another? Please plunge a dagger into it. Alright, so the typical things, Andrew Phillips, I mean, once he's been around for 113 years, and sorry, he beat Grundy in the ruck. Grundy might have got the, the, the statistical taps again. Um, Grundy was good around the ground, but again, it's that sort of thing. Plan A is what we know. 
Trelaw got 30 possessions. Name one. I, I, you know, and the, the problem with Trelaw is when he gets trapped on the inside, it's always like a little handball out or that little snap around the body. And they're not efficient um, possessions. Jake Stringer decided to have his best game ever for Essendon and then get injured with two minutes left, typically. <laughs> what a beauty. Dylan, uh, I'm out for the rest of the year now, yeah. thanks. Yep. Dylan Shill had a really good game. Is uh, that again? Uh, GWS Midfield. GWS Midfielders, they love Collingwood. I wish Ayers did. So, Essendon raced out to a lead. We had no fucking system whatsoever. No fucking... I'm just gonna, I just want to keep swearing about this team. Um, typically, there's not a lot of changes, but then Buckley does ring one change. He says, hey, this year I've had 1.5 midfielders. One is currently out for four weeks because of the stupidity. Not like that's ever happened at Collingwood. And the other one's my captain of 300 games who's been pretty much elite for the bulk of his career. I'll take him out of the midfield, put him forward, and then put in the midfield people like Elliot and I can't remember the others who were the goey to win clearances who have done nothing the whole year. Why is Pendles the one you take out of that midfield? Because that's part of plan A. It's just subsection A. Mason Cox, another Clause sh- A. Another shocker. Uh, Tom Phillips, again quiet. It's really again you go to look at the size you got there's only a handful of them were decent. Uh, Maynard had a pretty good game yet again. Josh Dacos continues to impress, and there's daylight. Yeah, and with Dacos, given his form in three of the four games, or four of the five if you count the Bulldogs on too from so long ago, I would just be saying, you know what, we're going to play in the whole year unless he totally plunges off a cliff. Guys like Callum Brown, Tyler Brown, like they've already hit a wall for me. Tyler Brown's just too thin at the moment. It looks like it's a good prospect for the future. Uh, Varco looked Totally out of it, but I'll give him um, a bit of a pass because it's his first game in about 19 years and he's coming out for um, shoulder reconstruction. Crisp was terrible. I'm no, like, that was a shocker. I don't want to single-handedly blame players for uh, a loss, but crisp, but crisp is single-handedly responsible for it. I've always believed in football. I think it was Varko was coming out of the back line, did a, a terrible low kick to Crisp. It, was, it wasn't a good kick. But it actually bowled Crisp over, went through his legs, he fell over, and then had everyone forward in the ball, and they just picked it up, and that's how they scored their first goal. And I've always believed when you make a mistake of that ineptitude, that the team just starts dropping their heads and going, oh, fuck. And the other side just goes, oh, actually, we're in this. And that was the point that Essendon actually heightened their intensity and started dominating us. Uh, then, you know, typically we had the really ferocious effort. And when you, when you listen to Buckley and Prescott... Press the tease. Com- I think you should just call it the tease. Yeah, the tease. The stock yeah. tease. When you listen to Buckley and Prescott, it's all about, oh, we didn't work, we didn't work, we didn't work, we didn't work. And it's like, you know what? They do nothing but work. They try hard, they're intense. They're intense. There's no system. Yeah. Essendon just absolutely monstered us from, that, um, from their first goal onwards, really. Yeah, they did. And just they were unrelentless with their pressure. And, and we will do this, we often do. And all the complaints that we've made the last few weeks with our losses, which, you know, people say, oh, you overreact because, you know, you, you lost narrowly, but you're now shit-canning the whole side. It's like, well, you're starting to see it now. You're starting to see that all the parts, uh, when they're not working together, are exposed as relatively vulnerable, not quite right parts. Chris Main, sorry, mate, but you are looking like it's past you. Yep. Uh, sorry, and that's a number he's of He's down, he's just stopped. Yeah. Uh, Roughhead tried. Darcy Moore, I'll do my call again, put him in the fucking forward line. You have him at full back. You have him at full back to get, what, 10, 12, 15 possessions a game. 
Uh, and that's how you're using this elite talent. You know, probably one of the best in terms of potential players to come through his club in the last 15 years and or even longer and you're turning into a fullback. It's, a, it's actually a crime. And now I'm not going to be diplomatic with my criticism of that, him being that thick. It's a crime. I don't give a fuck now that Howe's injured and that leaves the defence vulnerable. Make some moves, fashion your new defence. Your four line should be built around Moore, who's an elite talent. As everyone knows, I've defended Cox for his entire career at Collingwood, and I still feel he's unfairly maligned at times, but he is really struggling, and that four line is us struggling, struggling around him. Elliot looks terrible at the moment. Phillips been terrible. I probably named Hoskin Elliott. Were you there? Were you out there for two quarters? What week are we talking? Uh, it's I, just, I guess the thing is with with moving more, and it, it's it's an obvious sort of um, solution. But there is a big giant red flag that you're always waving in the back. That if you take him out of defence, how much of a sieve are we going to quickly become at the moment with that how as well? Uh, well, look. I, I, the one thing I'll say about the fence and the forward line two in their defence is part of the problem comes from the midfield has such... They're really little pressure. Outside of Adams and Wills, or they had a really bad game too, but there's not a lot of offensive pressure in the midfield. So the ball's just moving forward too quickly, and then when we get in the ball, we're just bombing like fuckwits. And that's really, um, you know... I always said, so if you have really bad delivery in the fall, it doesn't matter who you have down there, they're going to struggle. But the whole thing isn't working as it is. So, you know what, that might leave the defence a sieve, but you know what, you've got a sieve at one end and the other end just fucking blocked. So, I would rather just say, hey, we'll go to either Will Kelly, who's probably still too thin, or we'll go to Dunn, and we'll say to Schoenberg, you're going to play the Howell role. Schoenberg was probably one little bit of a bright spot, didn't have a brilliant game, but he did a few nice things, and he's still got the potential. I think he'll probably ever be the player he might have been with the 28 injuries he's had since we drafted him, but... He still shows, you know, he can play the game. Once he gets confidence in his body and confidence in his abilities, hopefully he'll really jump up in standard. Yeah, he did show a couple of times just um, a lack of pace, whether yeah. that's just the, the wet track or whatnot. But he does get into position and does read the ball yeah. coming in, probably more often than his, uh, his treacle slow uh, sprints. Uh, the one thing I'll say too, in terms of the way the side operates, you know, people might say we're overly critical. If you go around, Hey, you guys are overly critical. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you look at the VFL side, or the, oh, the VFL scratch side, or whatever they're called. Yeah, how, how supreme were they this week? Oh, I didn't look. Um, but Will Kelly is playing at centre-half forward, so he's a defender, you're playing him at centre-half forward. Flynn Appleby is a defender, he's playing at half forward. Jack Magdon's a defender, you're playing him as a midfielder. <laughs> now, to me, that suggests you realise there's massive issues here and you're trying to find a solution. And even if you go back to last year, Goldsack played as a defensive forward, so they've uh, throwing players around because I think they realise the deficiencies within the list and they're trying to find solutions that they can't like just sort of go straight to a player and say this is our option I mean there is an option in terms of you know you're playing Will Kelly up forward you have this guy again Darcy Moore you could probably try uh, but but they won't I'm always a big believer that unless you have a surplus of talent and I'll go back to say our 2010 side who had Thomas Pendlebury Swan Ball uh, Willingham, side bottom beams in the midfield, and then you could say, all right, you know what, Heath Shaw can stay at half back because that midfield's got enough talent in there. Unless you've got a surplus of talent, players should play in their best position. There's too many players in that side who are not in their best, best position. Tom Phillips should be a wingman. Why he's playing now as a forward, I don't know. 
Darcy Moore said what that for the third time. You know, you playing Varka off half back, I believe. Yeah, it's hard to tell on television where people are lining up. Elliot's in the middle. Um, Dugowie is in the middle. Right now, he's only proven as a forward, and you're really struggling up forward, so I'd probably throw him there <laughs> up forward. You're playing players all over the place, and they're struggling, and you can't just entirely blame the players because it's not their thing. And I understand with some players like Dugowie, you do want to evolve him into a midfielder eventually. You don't have the luxury at the moment. No, and I wonder whether, because what did he lose, five kilos yeah. over pre-season? That was obviously a move to, to increase his... Um, Endurance, I guess, because obviously they didn't see him as a, as a big, massive run player. But, geez, that, losing that extra weight that he used to throw around is just uh, oh. it's having an impact on his bulking. Given the stuff that's also happened with him uh, off-field... Oh, what happened? Did something happen? Yeah, he dyed his hair. He, um, I do wonder if that's been preoccupying his mind, because like, a few people have said that about his weight. Okay, that's fair enough. But I'm thinking, he's not even getting goals. That's got nothing to do with weight. His kicking's just gone to shit. And he's really playing like he's distracted or his mind's not entirely there. So I do wonder if there's more to that. Mm. Um, one thing on while we're on the goey, I wait until you stop drinking so you don't splutter. This could be a while. How good, have you got him? How good is the goey goal review? Oh, fucking hell. I mean, there's people arguing that apparently they've changed the rules about five years ago or something and that, that this is the perfect example of that. But Christ almighty... The thing is, like the goal umpire has said, I thought it was a goal, yeah. but I was in the way. Again, this is like the other one that we had that was adjudicated recently, where the, where the goal umpire, usually if there's, if there's a shadow of a doubt, you go to the goal umpire's original call, like, it, unless, of course, it's us. That ball, I mean, you couldn't tell one way or another where it's going because you had a really great person standing in the way, but the fucking reviewer was adamant yeah. that it was going to hit the post. Well, interestingly, you adamant. You might have watched the post-game rap. I think no, it was a fair chance, though. Wayne Carey, I think it was, he said he believed it was a goal. He goes, you look at the trajectory of the ball, it looks like it's going to go past the post. Hamish McLaughlin said he was sure it was going to hit the post. So, obviously, there's no there's no way to tell. You'll never be able to tell unless you bring in, um, like, the what happened in the cricket, where they work out the trajectory and all that, which they're not going to do. But as you said, if you can't make a determination, then you've got to go to the original call. The original call was a goal. But they've gone, as you said, with total authority to say, hey, that was going to hit the post. No doubt about it. And I'm like, oh, they showed it a number of times. I think, eh, I'm not sure. And I, can't, I might have been Brian Taylor. I can't remember which commentator. But they were actually saying, there's no way you can make a def definite call. But he not only made a definite call, he did it in about 1.2 seconds. <laughs> He's like Uncle Rico. There's and no doubt in my mind. No doubt at all. I don't want to blame that for losing because Essendon just outplayed oh, us. Shot. But I, no, no, seriously, I don't want to blame that for losing. But that came at a time where we actually got some run on, but we weren't, unlike Collingwood, capitalising on opportunities. And you think, if they had that goal, that might have changed the dynamics of the game a little bit. So well, it, it certainly did. Well, did, did the right, uh, wrong way. Any final thoughts on the issue game? Because we've really said it all for a while. Um, no, I just want to have a bit of a shout-out to the Channel 9 footy show for uh, stealing his material with Grundy. Oh, who doesn't? I think they've been uh, watching this show. I'm, I'm glad someone actually has been. <laughs> Um, Colin with development plan B. I am going to make a special mention of Daisy Pierce. You How many positions did she get? Well, she was doing the boundary riding and then she was on the panel. You watch any sport to listen to the experts because they have insight. Channel 7 has assembled a panel which predominantly 
would rather be characters and tell funny stories. You gotta just notice this. Go, no, no, but this is what's going on. And then listening to all the people, like Hamish McLaughlin was like, I'm, he, he obviously looks good, he's got a good voice and all that sort of shit. Why he's a front man still, he doesn't seem to have um, any great talent as a front man. BT's just over the top. I do like Wayne Carey at times, but listening to all of them speak, and Daisy Pierce is talking about how Collingwood played in the wet and saying it's in their DNA to handle and it takes a little while, you know, you don't always adjust to it. Listen to all it's like Daisy Pierce is the eye on the foot. Fuck, she's actually providing really good analysis. The others are morons. <laughs> um, like I said, I like Carey at times because he's just honest. But you know what? You give people positions on ability rather than whatever they're being in positions at Channel 7 because fuck, the, the commentary is excruciating on Channel 7. I must admit, I, I don't take it that offensively because I just actually tune it out. It's oh. rare that I actually absorb anything that they say. Well, you know, once upon a time I worked as an editor, so I was always looking for errors and then just like, I'm sort of sitting there and just going, eh, what the fuck have you said? <laughs> like fucking Brayshaw, the Carlton um, Essendon match of previous week. When Townsend missed to, at the end, and he scored a point, and then um, Carlton kicked out, and the clock was counting down to, you know, just about three seconds left, and the, the clock was counting down, and James Brayshaw said, Listen to this! Like he's waiting for the crowd to cheer, whilst the, and probably not realising the crowd's only full of cardboard cutouts. They're a bit like that um, DJ2000 that was in that episode of The Simpsons. Just had all those uh, phrases and sayings just sort of recorded away, and you push buttons. Maybe that's how the commentary team works. I don't. They actually stopped talking six years ago. They just pre-recorded gibberish and they hit uh, multicoloured buttons like a, uh, a chicken-eating pellet. I don't want to blame anyone, but I'll blame Dennis Comedy, who decided the... Dennis Comedy? Comedy. Comedy. No, we didn't do that. He decided to go from a uh, half-okay commentator to a character himself who's always throwing in his catchphrases and shit like that. And all of them decided, oh, let's be characters. You, if you've ever like been channel leaking and you fall on the sport, even if you don't watch it, if they've got people who are speaking about it who are actually intelligent, insightful, provide good analysis. That rules us out. Oh, totally. But you can just sit down and listen to them. You go, oh, yeah, no, no, they're too Long balls, yeah, never realised there's that much to this. Um, channel 7 has got all these people talking and sort of 70% of them are just like, fuck. So anyway, I wanted to do a special shout out to Daisy Pierce who I thought was really good. Oh, good. Good on your days. She'd be watching, wouldn't she? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, we'll be right back with something. Yeah, not this shit, though. <laughs> Talking about the 2020 season? Mm. We're back with... I don't know, I don't know. I, I made that to say side bottom... Should we move down the laser people and read it? Yeah. The yeah. Side Especially our podcasters. Yeah. The side bottom <laughs> crisis, and then something new came up. And then I was trying to think about all the crises that have happened in the last, well, let's say under Buckley's. Is there seven pages of this? That's what I needed. Should we, should we just scroll? Oh, it, it was seriously, the things that I was looking at was Sidebottom, Stevenson, he's had several. Um, Braden Sire had the fill-in incident. At least that one was funny. Yeah. Lachlan Keefe, Josh Thomas, well, and Murray. Lachlan Keefe on his own was just funny. <laughs> all had drug strikes. Uh, allegedly, was it, can you still say allegedly? Was it factual now? I don't know. Well, they well they all got banned from playing, so obviously it was proven. I don't know, but I don't know how you represent this stuff anymore. I don't know either. I think you just got to sit in the fence and hope a paling doesn't uh, perforate your bowel. Eddie McGuire's made several gaffes. That's, on... just, that's just in the last ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what the fuck's happened with his club? <laughs> Seriously, 
Where do you start? This seriously reminds me of, and I don't want to compare administrations, but I will because I like comparing things because you learn from history. If you go to um, the new Magpies, it took over in 83, and they didn't say anything stupid. Is that Reynold? Yeah, Reynold McDonald. They were a very high-profile administration. Their strategy to bring Collingwood up into the modern era sort of failed. They just bought all these players. Anyway, at least they had sense of humours. Yeah. And the administration pretty much imploded in 86. McDonald and a couple of others, I think, resigned. Alistair McCaster, who was treasurer, treasurer he took over um, as president. And for four years, he didn't even know he existed. He was just there quietly, anonymously working in the background. And Collingwood assembled this team on the 90 flag. Then, according to McCaster, they were the greatest show on earth. And then it got to the point, like, he was always saying something. They were just dolling up for quotes. And he was saying outrageous things, uh, which I won't go into. Like a bit of the question mark? Pretty much. And then it got to the point, like, well, I believe the... Um, Admin gagged him and just said, shut the fuck up. You know, I don't know if they said that specifically, but I recall that was going around the time that he'd been told, shut up. Um, but it really reminds me of that era where the club was unraveling. No one was realising it. And the admin was dial a quote for the press because they were, I don't know if they were enjoying the profile or it was just they'd fallen into the trap. And that's what we feel like now. It just feels like it's all unravelling. And people are now sort of getting to the point where they're sick of it. Uh, I know... A number of people have turned on Eddie Maguire in terms of his profile while we're indulgent to say, okay, there's no conflict of interest so he can handle it. He's now just batting for both sides in both roles. And it just feels so destabilising for the club. And it feels like the club's going to hit the fucking rock bottom at some point. And the only time people realise it is when it actually crashes. Mm. No, I must say, it, it, does, it is wearing me down. Um, I've not sort of uh, hidden the fact that I think it's uh, the time that we invested in a new president. We can probably build one out of spare parts. Now, I think the the issue is, is you linger somewhere too long, you become stale. We may have covered this several thousand times before. And I don't know whether that's just something that's permeating around the club or whether there's that sort of sense that we're always going to be protected so it doesn't really matter what stupidity we let me, do. Let me put this to you, too, uh, to you also. To you also, to you, though. Um, I don't know what I'm talking say. Let me put you <laughs> English is gone. Um, let me put this to you. In 2010, I believe we won the flag. <laughs> and I'd say that would be the height of Maguire's presidency, was it? Uh, well, we won the flag. And it felt like the club was on top of the world. And you had a down on creation? Yeah. And they um, had a young list and looked like a dominate the competition for five years. 2011 was this destabilizing year because you had the succession plan, you had Nick Mullins who didn't want to go, who was reneging on that contract, but I don't blame you, you just want your flag, so why wouldn't you say, let me fucking still coach? Um, and then he is forced to go. And Buckley takes over, and then there's, when they look back on it, they say they wanted to um, impress cultural change apart in the club. You have these guys like Thomas and Heater and um, Wellingham and Dawes and Lumumba all have left for various reasons. Uh, you have guys like Didak and Jolly who apparently didn't leave on good terms. So it feels like there's been a real weird shift. It's brought the club from top four to bottom four pretty quickly. As I've gone over 900 times, the drafting, the recruiting was total shit. So that's not that's not on Buckley, that's just poor or bad luck. You know, you have Scharenberg and Fremel, Point I'm making is they had something, they're at the top of the world, they disassembled it, and it's never felt like they've rebuilt anything as meaningful. And I know they made a grand final in 2018, but it just felt like that was 
we were firing during a time when the standard of competition had come down a little bit because the new clubs had the little the talent pool, so you'd gone from here to there. And it felt like to me, Collingwood was more a four, fifth, sixth team. Yeah, like, you know, in 2006, 2007, 2008, that sort of team <clears> under <throat> Malthouse. And it just feels like they haven't actually built this team that can launch an assault on grand finals for years to come. I know they're always heavily in premiership favouritism. I don't actually understand why, because it doesn't take a lot to unravel that side. More recent trading hasn't worked with beams and all that sort of shit, so they've fucked up even more in that regard. And just a look at the club thing, it's not it's very easy for that club to come undone because the list they've built has this weird age profile and the guys they've got playing, which I've talked about, there are a lot of guys pinching in positions they shouldn't be like Phillips and Thomas's half forwards and shit like that. And it feels like the club is I don't know what the right word is, deluded in <laughs> terms of where they stand for the future. I don't think they're deluded. You don't? You think no, they're completely and objectively insane. I mean, you look at the, the, the side bomber thing. Do I have to? That's a really... I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit more of it than they're telling us for that to happen. It's, it's, it's that, that thing that, that I've always said. It's, it's only Collingwood that can kill Collingwood. And we were riding high, what, two weeks ago? You know, we'd, we'd beaten St Kilda. We were Ooh. talked up as flag favourites. But it was a convincing win. It's like everything then had to align. It's like... You're just getting too much enjoyment out of this. I've got to bring some shit up. Well, but that's the problem is why do they, why do they keep having these things? That, I know that these happen like Lucky Hunting happened at the Dogs. I don't know what the last um, crisis at the... I mean, the Dogs have probably had a few things with Jake Stringer leaving. and I mean, No one cares about them. Um, but there's... I mean, every club's going to have issues because you're managing 40 to 50 young men uh, and shit's going to happen. That's just the reality. But a con that seems to happen quite a bit. And I'm just curious why we seem to keep be you know we keep falling afoul of it. No, it's it's every year. It just gets tiring. You know, as I said to you earlier, you, you look back at 2010. Like, you granted you won a flag. I reckon one of the biggest reasons why we won that flag, apart from being pretty good, was that nothing happened that year. There was no distractions. Nothing was set out of step. It was just like the eyes on the the prize. The focus is there. We can deliver this, and they did. And then straight. Back to normal. Yeah, like like even we talked about this earlier. Um, I think what did we have about three or four days of enjoying being premiers before um, yeah, the, the beams, beams yep. uh, incident uh, came to light? You go, oh fuck, you know, can I just be happy? Do I have to have something else now to sort of drag me back? And it's just like it's always there every year. There's always something that happens that either derails the season or shifts the focus away. What it is, and it must have an impact on the playing list as well. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I think clearly the side bottom line would have. Yeah, the, the fact that um, Lamumba, I was going to say Labumba, but that's probably wrong. Um, he starts speaking now when the when the crest is high. That must have an impact on the list too. Yeah. I mean, even though it happened years ago and half of them were, well, probably the bulk of them were around there, you start wearing that though. And then um, what was the latest thing that happened? Um, the goey? Yeah, the, the goey thing. Um, I mean, that's slapped out of nowhere yet again. And, you know, it's, the, it's like that, that scene in, um, or that line in um, A Few Good Men where Tom Cruise just sits there and says, and the hits just keep on coming. It just never ends. Well, here's one for Charlie Knight, and there's rumours that there were um, heated words spoken between the guy and the playing list over what happened. So, how much has that uh, caused 
Well, it's not like calling it as a history of, uh, of, of officials and uh, people in uh, power uh, chastising them and, uh, and breaking things. I think there's... It's but, a the, really, but, the, but the interesting one in this story is... I'm not going to break it too much for Channel 9 is, okay, admin, chastise players, but... Gee, that scratching sound you can hear is Damien Barrett. Yeah, but somebody in that playing group might have spoken back. You reckon? Yeah. Someone of, uh, of, a, of a higher uh, capacity? Well, I don't know. I mean, you, you, look at that, you look at that list and you think who would actually speak back, but and, and do so with impunity. Um, and that's just... And look, look, I think at the moment there's, there's going to be some tensions running. I mean, uh, these guys are, you know, having to essentially pack up their lives and what's happened now that they've they've moved into the hubs. You'd have that weighing over your head, especially young people with um, families or you know, young kids or anything like that. It's a big deal to be uprooted and sent away. And knowing that was coming too, I think you've almost sort of brewing the perfect storm for a conflict to be happening at Collingham because if you're told off for doing something, whereas you're all busting a hump trying to do the right thing, hopefully... Then there's going to be a clash when that time comes to be to be chastised. I mean, the one thing I believe is the, because of the situation with COVID and the season as it's being played. And Matthew Lloyd said this too. I don't know if he was watching me too. It, this is going to happen. There's going to be a lot of players under immense pressure. So there's going to be ones that just blow, and there'll be outbursts out, you know, like this. Um, but the thing with at Collingwood, the, the big issue here is, you know, and it's been reported in the media is all the uh, proclamations Eddie was making about the next player's got to get fined this and this has got to happen and this sort of stuff and demanding transparency about the Jack Stevens situation all this sort of stuff and it blows up in his face and he's now put in a position where he's got to live by his words but then, you know, they were pretty harsh words and he has to then backtrack to an extent and rationalise his stance and how how that stance fits into his previous beliefs and you just get this big clusterfuck of like, everyone as now in the media is now just sort of turn on Eddie McGuire and just said, you're fucking massively in the wrong. And the playing group's got to sit there and just think, could this guy just shut up so we can just go out and play football and stand on our own merits? And the other guy i got to feel for is Nathan Buckley as a coach, just sort of saying, could I have a year where maybe something doesn't fucking happen? <laughs> Which clubs are you going to? But he, he, under him, so you know, he's had a divided playing list when he was given the club. He's had all these injuries. He's had uh, the drug issues with Josh Thomas and Lachlan Keith. He's had Sam Murray. Um, there were reports a while ago that uh, the list management, Buckley didn't have very much input in it. So he was given players and not according to what he wanted to do and stuff like that. And in the last two years, the deal with Stevenson and Phil In and Sidebottom and still funny that one and um, the Goey and Eddie McGuire and that's it's not even really two years. It's within twelve months he's had to deal with all that sh shit and he, and the Lumumba stuff too. Um, and he has to go out and front the press and answer their questions in a way that he's not going to implicate himself or the club or say anything that's going to come back to bite him. Raj, I'm sure that he is probably just getting to this point where he's just feeling, just leave me the fuck alone, I'm just a coach, just go bother someone, I don't know why these people are doing this to me. And you look at someone like Buckley was the consummate professional, I don't think he ever had any off-field indiscretions, um, always really well prepared, so this sort of behaviour to him must be really alien, where he must just be looking and going, you know, hey, you're a 25-year-old playing a game for hundreds of thousands of dollars, just fucking enjoy it because it can go really quickly. 
give yourself the best chance. But he just seems to have this minefield ever since he's taken over Collingwood, which has existed, and where things are going off every now and again. The real danger, too, also, is with a shortened season, is you just don't have time to make up the slack if you derail for even a month. No. You know, if we lose the next four games because their heads are in a different space, it's very difficult, I think, to come back from there. Well, you look at about, you go back to the St Kilda game that you spoke about. Uh, you look at the list and you think, okay, the list is in a pretty good spot. You've got Trelaw coming back. You've got guys like Murphy and Charenberg in the reserves uh, getting some game time so we can bring them up. Will Kelly is looking like an interesting prospect. You've got, you know, Blanco and Rantel and Quaynor to come in. You go, okay, we're pretty well placed. You fast forward two weeks. You've now lost half of the year. You've lost Sidebottom for four weeks. The Goey won't play this week. And we don't know how that's going to work at all. And even if he does play, we don't know where his head's going to be. Yeah, you guarantee to at some point in the next couple of days they'll close the borders to everyone and he'll be stuck in Victoria for the rest of the season. Ah, definitely. And um, you have all this shit happening. And, and it's seriously, I said this last year, I think, whenever I get a text from anyone of Collingwood friends, particularly when it's a screenshot or something, I just dread opening it. <laughs> and in the past, there's like, there'll be an injury. There'll just be, I remember like a few years ago when Schoenberg did his knee in a training, someone sent me a screenshot, I sent to you, and you just, fuck hell, you know? And that's what it's like now. Someone sends me a screenshot, I can't remember who sent me the Dugowie line to begin with, but it was just like, oh, it was me. It was just like, I think. But I mean, like, I'm getting it from all over the place too, and it's like, fucking hell, you know? And it's like, oh, I, like, when that screenshot came out, I thought, oh, it'll be something on Sidebottom. So, oh, no, hang on, this is something totally new. It's like Sidebottom, the guy must have been sitting, you know, at a restaurant, I don't know, but they must have been having a beer or two the other night, and Sidebottom goes, oh, I fucked up, and the guy must said, <laughs> you wait. <laughs> Any final thoughts on this crisis uh, of Collingwood? No, and you can't even sit here and really say, let's just see how the next couple of weeks uh, pans out. It's like a mate of mine uh, sent a text today saying, I wonder who's going to get arrested today. And, yeah, I'd say it in jest, but you look at it and when you read it, going, I fucking actually do. I wonder what it is. It's almost like now now that it's started, let's just open the floodgates and have 48 other indiscretions pop up. Because in, why not? It's what in, we do well. In 2017, uh, my Collingwood cousin who you've met was run over by a van and broke a lot of bones and was in you know pretty bad shape. And they put him in a coma for eight days until his body did some recovering before they woke him. And that's like, if I could appeal to medical science, science, I know you're really busy with COVID, but if you could just put me in a medical coma for about 14 days and then just, I can wake up in 14 days and, you know, I'll get reports like, oh, this player's in jail, this player's robbed the bank, this club's disbanded, coaches being, you know, shanghai and it'll just be like, how long have I been asleep? And you'll, you'll text me and go, oh, three days, 14 minutes. Anyway, we'll be back with the match preview. Oh, I can guarantee this will be quick. Welcome to the match preview is Collingwood versus Hawthorne. Uh, who do you think might come in? I mean, uh, the Gowie is going to miss in all likelihood. Well, he's definitely been ruled out by the club. Will Kelly uh, is playing well in the scratch match reserves. I don't know how much, you know, again, the reserves. And it, the reserves, I've got to imagine, is going to be as physical as the seniors are. I mean, the standard's going to be even less than usual in the VFL. Um, and then you have Sire, who's played well, and guys like Quaynor and 
Who would you drop? I mean, so the go is now, I think the two Browns are vulnerable. Oh, I think they're on very shaky grounds. Uh, Elliott, would be um, should be, but maybe for him he gets another um, week and maybe they throw him up the back or something. Do something different. I'd actually like, mate, the Hosky, what are you, how many goals did he kick in 2018, Hosky? It's about yeah, 40 odd or something. Yeah, right? yeah, and he had a period there he kicked like, you know, 25 games in a row or something. I mean, the thing with Hosky, no, is they've moved him from the very, you know, furthest line of the forward line up closer to the middle where he's on the wing. And it's like, maybe go play him in the pocket and see, mm. because he's got goal now, so he doesn't have of anything really that's translating to those other positions. Um, I think Cox goes. I think either Cameron comes back in or they're going to debut Kelly. I listened to um, Bretton Sanderson, um, Sanderson and, and his brother Bretton Sanderson um, on SEN um, on Friday afternoon and he was talking up Will Kelly saying he's very, very, very close to debuting and certainly thinks he'll do it in the next few weeks, definitely. Um, but... Would you take a chance? I think you're almost... I don't, against Hawthorne, it's almost irrelevant. You might as well just throw a fuck all out there because the usual stuff doesn't work. But the, the one thing with Cox, I'll say this, is... Against Hawthorne, that is. He just seems to get dragged too high up the field. So, you don't, I mean, we were saying years ago, if you're going to play in there, you should just be playing out of the square. And you should just be sitting crummers around him and say, well, you know, if there's a mark, you crumb. But he seems to get dragged up between half forward and wing. When, uh, when he's playing as a force, I don't know why he's going so far afield where surely he should be... If if this was your strategy to go find this 211-centimetre giant and say, we're not even going to play him as a ruck, we're actually going to play him as a full forward, then why don't you actually do that? You're playing him like as a high half forward? I don't, I don't actually get the logic there. No. I mean, the, uh, the marking is the frustrating bit. He's, he's not clunking anything. But again, it's that thing that you can often see when he goes up into a marking contest. He invariably has two or three defenders hanging yeah. on him because they are fearful of that. And if that's the case, why aren't our crummers positioning themselves tactically around him to, to intercept the drop of the ball? There was one, I think, um, I don't know whether we ended up with a goal with it, I can't remember because I was only paying half attention at this stage. But um, it came to a contest... And just in the back of the camera, you saw Stevenson run into space yeah. behind him. And the ball, I think, did spill behind. Um, I don't think he goaled from it, but he just read it beautifully coming in. That's one of the rare times that I've actually recall seeing someone sitting at the, the, at the base of a pack um, on the off chance it might spill through, in which case it did. There should be more of that. I mean, he's, look, if he doesn't mark it, he's going to bring the ball to ground. He should be, though, if he's not... You don't want to make a career out of... No, um, not Mark yet, but... Yeah, but still, you, you've got to make the most of that opportunity because you've got two or three occupied defenders who aren't going to be immediately there at the drop. That, that you, may, you might be able to sneak a few goals out of that. But again, surely that works a lot better if you're within 25 metres of goal rather than... Well, then, that, that, that would be the, instead of being uh, 78 yeah. kilometres up the road. Yeah, you yeah know, no, I agree with that, yeah. And playing I, out the square, yeah. And that's, again, like, you, you, players are not playing in the best position. Like, I would be having... Full forward would be Cox, and the forward pockets would be like Elliot and Poskin Elliot, and then you'd have the half forward line of like Stevenson, um, Myacek, and whoever the other one is. But this is also the Coe or you know depends if they're rotating from the middle. It's also endemic of the way that they set up the structures for the the forward entries is that you you tend to have a couple of runners that move forward with the expected rebound to then probably obviously have a second crack if the first one doesn't work. And I don't know whether that just doesn't work effectively enough that you've got to sometimes be like what we did in eighteen, just be hanging around and, and just be opportunistic. Well, um, in uh, two thousand and eighteen, we were averaging like ninety three points a game, and in 
Last year it was 85. And I know there's only been, you know, five games. We're only averaging about 60 points a game. And I know the defensively, the competition... Across the board, the scoring is yeah. caput. But while it'd be, I'm not watching any of the other games because it's really hard watching our games and I don't really like that. But with us, there were problems last year where it was spluttering and we couldn't score for big chunks of the game. And we did that in the two finals against GWS and Geelong. So we can't say the competition's defensive uh, issues are also our issues because we carry these issues in and those things are just exacerbating it. So there's a problem there in the way our system works and this fucking stubbornness that just keep doing the same shit and hoping it's going to pay off. The definition of insanity. Yeah, and it's like that, you know, when Malthouse played Jason Cloak at 7 half forward in 2003 Grand Final and everyone went, oh, that fucking didn't work at all. And then Malthouse just kept playing in there and he had the attitude... I'll show you this is going to work. And then one game, Cloak hit like 2-4 or something. And yeah, I told you I was right. Yeah. And I was like, well, how many efforts did it take before? And that's no criticism of Cloak, because that's not what the position he could play. You know, he was better as a tall flanker, as <coughs> an back. So it's just frustrating to me that there's been issues since last year. The 2018, the forward line worked really well. And last year we were saying it on this show, it's like, well, it worked well in 2018. Why do you have now Stevenson at halfback? Why do you have Majacek dropping so far back? Um, so they totally changed the, 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 the uh, dynamic. And it's now, you look at it again, it's still very, very broken. And there's no system. Yeah, actually, I mean, it's an interesting one too, because he's just a shadow of his former self. He, he, he bobs up for the odd cameo goal, but he's just nowhere near covering the same ground he is. He's not hitting the packs with the intensity he is. He's just was, become a big player. There's a couple of times I saw him, he looked like he was really struggling to run, so I'd be surprised if he's carrying an injury. I mean, he's not carrying the side. I know it's unusual at Collingwood to have an injury, but I wouldn't be surprised if that is the problem. If that's the case, just don't play him. Yeah, but who do you play? Oh, well, you bring Kelly in or something. I mean, really... It's getting to that point where, like I said, we we lose two or three more, you've then got to go into experimentation mode and play for Brown. I think they're really close to that already, and I think the big problem is you're going to be playing Hawthorne this week, who've had the wood over you, you're down uh, the goey side bottom, and how? So you've lost probably three of your top ten players, if not three of your top six players. So... I don't know who's going to come in who's going to have an immediate impact. You've already been playing. You brought Trelaw back last week and Varco. Um, Which were, you know, on paper, they were exceptionally good ins. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just sort of saying in terms of we've brought in who we can bring in. There's no mm. one with any great experience sitting out there who's going to make an immediate impact. Oh, broomhead. Well, yeah, they might. I mean, he's doing all, and all that sort of stuff. But the, just my fucking be The system has broken so badly down that you're bringing players in and it's like they're not performing they're people going oh they're shit it's like well you know what they're shit also because the system is just not working and you look at clubs which you know um, I'll look at I'll say the Bulldogs under oh shit I forgot the previous coach's name Brendan McCarthy Goodbye. yeah well whatever it was um, where they really did look terrible and then their new coach what's his name uh, Ted Whitten yeah Luke Beveridge he came in and same players, but they totally look like a different side. Even Carlton last year under Bolton, they looked terrible. Under Teague, they looked dangerous. Less than terrible. Yeah, but Teague did have this philosophy, I'm going to play the players in the positions they're best in. You know, So it's just like, I think whoever you bring in is going to struggle unless you address the system, and the system does not fucking work anymore. It's a system of a down. <sighs> toxicity. That's the first time I've ever hit that wall in the flag. Now. What does that mean? Does that mean we might... Get one up on Clark. Did you turn the camera on? 
Carousel. Uh, what's your tip? Um, Hawthorne by about 60 goals. Collingwood by one point. Uh, see, I reckon, and uh, not that I can see that far into the future, but I'd be very, very, very shocked if Hawthorne, with, because um, Bergeron, I think, is the youngest player on that list now, yeah. with their age profile, if they don't come out right from the start and physically manhandle us into the ground, I'll be stunned. I think we will concede the first six goals and not fire a shot after that. Well, last time Hawthorne conceded the first six goals against us, we ended up in the bar. And we won. Well, which bar should we go? Can we go to bars? Is there bars open anymore? <sighs> bar 20, is that still going? We can go to bars. doesn't really matter if they're open or not. We just loiter at the front like, uh, and refuse entry as normal. No, I was just saying we break in. Why would they... Be, be yeah, are you advocating crime? I can't believe this. I had to go for Collingwood. <laughs> and we're going out of the way. Anyway, uh, that's it for now. Uh, like us, subscribe, leave comments. We'll try to be more positive next week. Unless we, no, get, unless we get smashed this week. Well, yeah. But I think, yeah, if you get smashed this week, it doesn't come as any sort of shock. It's just part of the course. Oh, it's a birdie. All right, and uh, to all you players out there, stay out of trouble, keep your heads down. They can't get in trouble in the hubs, can they? Surely not. They're being managed and supervised. They should be safe there, shouldn't they? There'll be no scandals, will there? Please, please, please tell me it's not going to happen again. There'll be something. There's always something. There is. It's like a never-ending episode of The Twilight Zone. Later. Catch.